You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I don't care who you play, whether it's a high school team, a junior college team, a college team, much less an NFL team. We're dialed in. You know, we're dialed in. We're ready to go. This is a significant battle um, early in the year. It means a lot, and uh, both teams will be ready to play. The Colts had a promising drive working, and they turn it over with an interception. Definitely made me think, and I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> James Robinson with a 37-yard touchdown run. Loud and proud. Ryan stays in the game. He's going to air it out, and that pass is intercepted. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. And the Colts have fired three interceptions today, and they've turned over on downs twice, and the misery continues. Uh, a very poor showing in every way. Coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked. Oh, Kevin, welcome back. Really easing back into this, right? <laughs> you know, nice, calm start to the season here. The phone lines are already lighting up, Jake. <laughs> 701 on this Monday morning. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, and I do say that in all seriousness. I I love what I do, um, but certainly watching that yesterday, I thought to myself, you know, Maddie, I sat there on the couch and I said, Maddie. When Max's first football game was Notre Dame-Marshall, I thought, is there any way we could put him back in the womb just for a little bit longer? Okay. Okay. And then, you know, watching that one yesterday, I thought, you know what? I love you a lot, honey, but, I mean, this is what we're exposing him to so far in his young football life. And uh, it felt like I was changing diapers for three hours, even though I wasn't watching that SH and I'll let you finish Mm-hmm. Uh, that type of performance. Yesterday. You had seen your fair share of that already. I had, uh, certainly had. Um, just you sit here right now, Jake, and you go back to the last two games of last season, and in my 32 years of watching the Colts, it's arguably the most embarrassing four-game stretch of football I've ever seen. I think yesterday might have been, and I want to be very clear about this, uh, and good morning to you, by the way, that is the newly fathered of a son kevin bowen congratulations kevin your son max or maxwell just max yeah we're going max maxwell on the birth certificate but yeah max maxwell bradley bowen little max um so he was born was it friday yeah friday early friday at 3 16 in the morning it was a wild thursday night we can we can get into that a little bit later but yeah my mom asked for uh, a photo, which I forwarded the photo that you sent. Oh, nice! Uh, and she well, said she has my number. Did she not want to just text me directly? <laughs> she, you know, she wants to respect boundaries. Uh, her direct quote: uh, "He is adorable and a chubby fellow." Mm. Well, I think my wife would take that as a compliment. Uh, yeah, birth weight seven pounds and nine ounces. That's yeah, pretty good, good. And healthy average, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Angles, angles of photos, yeah, right? Sure, right. For right. angles and yeah. lighting, yeah. Uh, so that has a double chin, depending on the angle that, that you go with there. So, and you, you know, you did what the Colts did, which was you just flat out checked out for the week, right? 
Yeah, I um, I did that. Um, and honestly, it started Sunday. It started in in week one. That performance, I think that's what really stands out to me right now, Jake, is what you've had to play for. Whether it was when the Raiders were coming to your building with two games to go last season, a playoff berth on the line, you're a touchdown favorite in that game. The trip to Jacksonville to end last year, a two-touchdown favorite in that game. And then you, you simmer on that for eight, nine months. Simmer on it. And the performance you had in Houston for three quarters, and then yesterday. Yesterday is a fireable type of offense. It is, frankly. When Matt Taylor just used the word fired there in that open, I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, is he um, letting us know something that could be on the horizon? I don't think it'll happen, but if that sort of email came across my inbox, I would sit here and just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, well, these performances would lead to something like that. Kevin, it is important, I think, to always stop and 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 think about after a game. And I do get a little bit amused by, and I totally understand it, and I don't mean this condescendingly, but like fan reactions. I mean, during the course of the game, I'm looking at social media, and I mean, it, you know, people are just – in the first half going bonkers and I'm thinking they come back and win this in the second half then it's going to be nothing but like here we go greatest team ever you know what I mean and like and listen 17 weeks is a long time and if you think back to last year there were times like when hard knocks was in here coming off the New England game I remember thinking you know a lot of people thinking like this might be the best team in the league at one point last year, there were people that are, you know, this is the most dangerous team in the AFC. Nobody wants to face Indianapolis. So a lot of things can happen over the totality of a season. So the first two weeks are not necessarily a guarantee to be representative of what the Colts in 2022 are going to be. However, if you were a season ticket holder or are a season ticket holder, if you're a fan of the Colts, if you just enjoy football in general, that was a totally inexcusably embarrassing, flat, ill-prepared, running into one another, Keystone Cops, disappointing, letdown performance that was absolutely an insult to anybody who spends their money to watch that crap product of a bunch of people that don't appear in any way, shape, or form yesterday to have cared what the hell they were supposed to be doing. And the issue, Jake, is that exact phrase that you just uttered could have been said following week 18 in Jacksonville last year. That exact phrase could have been said for three quarters of the season opener in Houston. That is the worry. This is not a one-off. This is a trend now of you're going back to the two games to end last season and now the two games to start this season. And from an owner on down, it starts at the top. This is an owner on down Jim Mersey has treated Chris Bowden and Frank Reich that they are the greatest pairing of a GM and head coach that the NFL has ever seen. He gave them contract extensions that were not warranted whatsoever to start last season. And from the owner extending this leash and acting like they have these decorated resumes that deserve statues next to Peyton Manning outside of Lucas Oil Stadium, he's created this perception that everything is fine and well within his organization. And yet these performances to end last season with everything on the line to go to the postseason and now to start this year with two of your, on paper, easier games you'll have all season long 
to have those types of performances is a disgrace. And if I'm a cold season ticket holder and I look at the rest of the season and think to myself, wait, I can sell my tickets to the Chiefs game and make back what type of money? I would have no issue. And I am all about fandom and all about creating awesome environments, but I would have no issue with any fan that sits there right now and thinks about Sunday afternoon of the home opener and thinks, why the hell do I want to go to that? Why the hell should I waste my time going to that when this is what I've had to witness now for four games? This is not a one-off. This is four straight games that we've seen this type of effort. You know, I agree with all of that. Here's the the thing to me, and I I sent a tweet, that, and I, th- I thought that people would have understood what I was saying, so I apologize if I wasn't overly clear in this. This, to me, is what was the most damning for the Colts franchise yesterday. Aside from going out and get, and listen, it's entirely possible that Jacksonville is greatly improved. They got a great defense. I don't know about great, but they have a very active defensive line. They gave Trevor Lawrence time to work, and you saw, I've said all along. God, how pathetic was that pass rush? To, it was non existent, right? But Trevor Lawrence, when you give him time, Kevin is a pretty darn good quarterback, right? I mean, I realize they, that you should rush him, and it's against only against the Colts when he gets that kind of time for whatever reason. And, and that and that phrase right there, Jake. Like, does Trevor Lawrence have talent? Yes, but Jake, you have watched him probably more than I think a lot of people have in the NFL. You right. College wise, you obviously watch him a ton. Jake, he's been a very average NFL quarterback, and th- and that might be a compliment. Like it just right. has, but against this team, Matt Eberflus defense to end last season, Gus Bradley defense yesterday. You have given Trevor Lawrence hope right out of the gate. That opening drive yesterday, he completes that first third and long, and I literally said out loud, oh my, here we go again. Perfect opening drive, and now Trevor Lawrence sits there and gets back in the locker room and thinks, when is that second Colts game? Because I'd love to see them next week. Well, no doubt about that. Um, So, But all of that to be said, a year ago when the Colts lost to Jacksonville, starting at the top, we were told what the issue was. We were told that the predominant issue was the leadership or lack thereof of Carson Wentz. And we were told that the other things, they knew what was wrong and we didn't. By we, I mean fans, media, whatever else. And they they were going to be able to make the right changes because they were going to be all chips in. Okay. So you go now to Jacksonville. We get another video outside an airplane wearing, I think, the same sport coat. We get the video at dinner where Jim Irsay mispronounces the name of their first-round draft pick or their, their first draft pick. That was awkward. Um, well, I guess they're all kind of awkward. And then they go out and listen. I don't know Chris Ballard. I, I know him from having him on this radio show. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's arrogant. And I think when he comes on here, for example, he acted like the smartest guy in the room. And that's fine because he's the general manager of a football team. So it's our job to let him talk and tell fans why his plan is going to work. And it still may. That's the thing. It still may. But when you come on here and you act like a smug jerk, then you better expect that all of a sudden when everything that you condescendingly giggled at people about for bringing into question is non-existent, you're going to be called to the carpet on it. And everybody in this town, and I don't mean the two of us and John and and 
you know, Greg Doyle, everybody in this town from the guy ringing you out at Kroger to the guy working you, you know, pulling you through at crew car wash to the gal at your gym. Every single person's like, are they going to get wide receivers? And yes, they had two players injured yesterday. You know what they ended up with? Eight catches for 126 yards. Every single person from the entire receiving core. Eight catches for 126 yards for wideouts. So yeah, is there a constant barrage of wideouts? Yes. And everybody in this town knew that left tackle was a question mark. Oh, we got it under control. We we know what we're talking about. Turnstile. Absolute turnstile. And Kevin, everybody in this town knew eventually, yeah, it sucks that Andrew Luck retired unexpectedly. That was like 20 years ago. And everybody knew eventually, every team that you're looking at right now in the NFL that has good quarterback play went out and got it, got after it and got themselves a quarterback. The Colts went out and thought they were going to get Phillip Rivers, and they might have ended up with Kerry Collins. Who knows? you got to give the guy time before we can evaluate what, what Matt Ryan can do. But are we just going to replace it every two years? Eventually, your mechanic says to you, like, look, you got 135,000 miles on the car. You got to get a new car. And so everything that we were told was the problem that was going to be solved were all of the things that popped up yesterday in second verse, same as the first. Don't don't call me a fool, right? Don't sit here and, and, and say the same thing to me twice in two different languages and then tell me that I have language comprehension problems if you're giving me the same message that's flat-out BS, right? Yeah, I think there's um... – a ton of validity in what you just said. Um, you know, a stubbornness with roster building. Um, I think an unwillingness to sit there and ask the question of how do you win in the NFL in 2022? It's a question I asked him back in January at the season ending press conference. I, I don't think he's challenged himself enough with that question, Jake. Um, I mean, let's be frank. You know, one week old Max Bowen could look at the wide receiver depth chart and realize that issues are there. Like it, it, that is the easiest thing to have spotted in the current regime of of the Colts. That was beyond obvious. When I saw Michael Pittman was out, I'm like, okay, well, here you go. This will once again prove why I believe Michael Pittman's the most indispensable player on the team. Um, you had one catch from your wideout group in the first 28 minutes of the game, SJ Jake. Desmond Patman, a massive third down drop. Mike Strawn with a false start penalty or legal formation, I don't even know what it was, uh, got you behind the chains, led to a punt. Uh, Paris Campbell's first contribution in the box score, Jake, a fourth-quarter offensive pass interference penalty. And Here's what was astounding to me. It was a pass interference where he was not the target, right? Yeah, like one of those pick plays, (laughs) rub rub routes. I mean, whatever. Pass interference. Indianapolis, and I'm like, wait a minute, it, he what? It wasn't even going to him. Yeah, he's not pushing off to make a play on the ball for himself. Um, and you bring up left tackle, and we can get into this, you know, uh, more. Left tackle to me has been mismanaged more than probably any other position on this roster. From the moment Anthony Costanzo injured his hamstring to start that 2018 season, and missed five games, and you saw the issues you had there. That had to have sent a giant red flag throughout that organization of, guys, Costanzo's durability, you know, maybe it's waning a little bit. He's getting older. We know this guy has a lot of off-the-field interest. What about retirement? He starts flirting with that next offseason. He signs a two-year contract. 
they continue to not draft a tackle, not draft a tackle, not draft a tackle. And now here you are believing that Matt Pryor, a day three pick at a position that was not left tackle, could handle that with the statue at quarterback. And you get what you asked for at that spot. So again, from Jim Ursay to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, there's a level of me, Jake, that I sit here and think NFL players should just have enough self-motivation week in and week out to go out and do their jobs. And Kenny Moore right now for a guy that chirped in the offseason and wanted a new contract. That's the effort that we've seen now through the first couple games of the season. But I look at Frank Reich's football team and think again, playing for a playoff berth in the final two games last year, an eight-year week one drought last week, a seven-year drought in Jacksonville, and those are the efforts of Frank Reich's football team. He cancels practice last Friday. <laughs> Jake, you've been around the NFL. The best week of practice they've had, Kevin. You've been around the NFL a lot longer than I have. I have never seen a team plan, go into a week, and cancel a Friday practice in week two of the NFL season. We're not talking week 14 and your injury report has 17 guys on it or a short week or hell. I mean, I don't know, maybe during one of those COVID games, they had a Friday practice canceled. I've never seen it. And I think way too much Frank Reich falls into his offensive play calling bubble and forgets that he's the head coach of the football team. He's the CEO. He's supposed to oversee all of it and does not have enough accountability for what's going on defensively to let that performance happen to Trevor Lawrence like it did yesterday, and just in general, to have his team, whether it's a stale message from him that's playing into it, but have his team utter such listless performances like we've seen now for four straight games. Did you find it peculiar that we really didn't hear from Jim Mercer after the game other than a video of him handing out signed footballs? Yeah, I, I thought there was a chance we would hear from him. Um. But, yeah, it looked like, what, just a golf cart ride and then talking to some fans that were at the yeah. game? I know a lot of people have asked me, Jake, in the last, you know, 12, 16 hours, do you think Frank Reich and or Chris Ballard will be fired? Um, I don't. I, I don't I, either. I, I'd probably put it around 20%. Um, this is obviously a topic we can get into a little bit more later. You know, week two firing, it sends a message, but, like, what, you know— does all of a sudden Bubba Ventrone as your interim head coach mean that everything's going to get turned around? Does John Fox taking over for Frank Reich mean that you right. know things are going to turn around? Like, it's it's a little early to throw in the towel, yes. And if you want to drink glass, glass half full, I mean, Jake, the AFC South's a joke. Tennessee will lose to Buffalo tonight, and you'll be two weeks into the season. Right. And one win for the whole freaking division. <laughs> one win against the against, against the, the division. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's just God it's bless incredible. the AFC South. God, I have said it so many times. God bless the AFC South. Uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to break down over the course of the morning. Uh, obviously, sticking with almost entirely the Colts team. Jeff Saturday is going to join us. Do we know Mark what time? Around nine thirty. <laughs> I took a big you. bite of a granola bar and you asked you me a question. Bite there? What's Twenty going minutes. On? Nothing. Listen, the <laughs> second I take a bite of a granola bar, hey, you got any thoughts? <laughs> Unlike the Colts, Mark decided to take a bite out of something this morning, right? <laughs> now you guys both kind of rolled your eyes at me when I said, you know, I debated or asking Maddie if we could put Max back in the womb. <laughs> Was that too harsh? 
That's an image I don't really want at 719 in the That would be unprecedented, wouldn't it? It, it, Well, well, I would argue this stretch of four games from the Colts have been a bit. That's fair. A hell of a hospital bill. I'm sorry, Mark. What what did you say on Jeff Saturday? 930 is what we're expecting. Okay, so Jeff Saturday around 930 this morning, and I assume we'll have uh, phone calls as well. And then I, I think in about 15 minutes or so, both of us can give more of a calm down breakdown analysis of just kind of what happened or what led to it. I don't it. know how you can be calm, Jake. And I get it. Um, and, you know, I think, Kevin, you'll probably take a harder look at what took place between the lines, and, and I'll probably do some sort of weird Freudian thing as to how psychologically we got to this point. But it was – listen, I've seen a lot of disappointments when it comes to pro football in this town over the last 25 years. That might be – that is as big as any. I've seen, you know, between – there are different levels and different variations of disappointment. You know, the ball bouncing off Aaron Bailey's chest into Three Rivers Stadium's yeah. turf. The, 62 to nothing to the Saints yeah, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, wide right, you know, uh, Curtis Painter on Monday Night Football. I mean, there have been a lot of things, but um, – that was one of the most embarrassing and, quite frankly, one of the biggest insults. That's the biggest I would say is that was an insult. And to add to it, it's not a one-off. It's not a one-off. You go back, and I was thinking about this on the drive-in, and this is just off the top of my head. You had the Raiders in your building two weeks ago in the season last year. You were a seven-point favorite. Lost by three. You were a 14-point favorite in the season finale last year in Jacksonville. I think you backdoored that one to lose by 15. Week one, what did it end up being? Seven-point favorite in Houston. You tied, so that's zero. Yesterday, three-point favorite, lost by 24. So if you take the differences, trying to do this math off the top of my head, I should. How is math going, by the way? I meant to text you. Algebra? Uh, midterm. Um, oh, yeah, I got a midterm today, so or actually tomorrow. 10, 29, 7, and 27. You add that up, Jake. 73. Yeah, I think I might, I actually think I might be right. Um, no. Well, 63, I think. What would you say? 10, 29? 7, and 27? Um, 73, isn't that what I said? I thought it was 63. Well, 10 and 29 is 39, right? 7 is 46. Said, yeah, good call. 46 yeah. plus 27 is 73. Think about that. Four Mark games. seems impressed. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah, that, that, there wasn't that much was to be impressed sharp. about this weekend. Oh, no. That was impressive. Boy, when I was looking at Max's raccoon eyes at 4 a.m. today, I, I was not thinking I'd be crunching those numbers uh, in three hours. 73 points. If you go off what Vegas thought in these four games, playoff berth on the line in the last two games of last season, the drought of week one, the drought in Jacksonville, you have been outscored by 73 points in four straight games. Not good. So in breaking down the analysis of what you witnessed yesterday and your thoughts on it, Kevin Bowen, the floor is yours. Yeah, my my blood is still boiling, Jake. Uh, You know, I've watched the Colts up close for 32 years now, and – to see the type of effort that they have displayed against some horrific competition over the last now four games, but mainly three in the AFC South, is just an utter disgrace. And, and, you know, I said this in the opening segment, it starts at the top. I think Jim Irsay has given Chris Boward and Frank Reich a leash that is very unwarranted. 
Um, a contract extension last August, which was laughable in my mind. I'll never forget being at training camp, seeing that contract extension come across my email and thinking, why? What have they done? No division titles, one playoff win, and yet you've given them a financial commitment that is right up there with insert your Chiefs, Rams, Bills, whatever regime you want to throw out there in the NFL. I don't feel there's any public accountability from the owner towards those two men. I think he views the hiring of Reich and Bill Polian and Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy sign off and thinking, this is a dream. This is Chris Bauer. It's the greatest GM hire of the 21st century. Uh, a phrase that Jim Irsay uttered when Ballard was hired as well. And I said this at the start of the season. The seats needed to be warm for those two individuals entering the year. That was an absolute must for me. And don't feel like for one second, Ursay felt the same way that I did about those two. Um, when you decide to go sh- short-term stopgap, they've gone Band-Aid at quarterback. When you do that, expectations should be higher. Because what you're doing is you're pushing off that major quarterback investment, those growing pains that you naturally have with a young quarterback. You're pushing that down the road. So when you go short-term, expectations rise even more. And for these performances to really be the norm is just an absolute joke to me. Um, So it starts with the owner. And then you go to Chris Ballard. And again, just a massive stubbornness in roster building. Um, you know, he comes from the Bears regime, uh, not to take a shot at Mark's Bears, but it just seems like he's stuck in Chicago's ways of how they built things um, and has not opened his eyes to what 2022 NFL is and the positions that truly, truly matter. Look at the wide receiver position. Look at yesterday. The star of yesterday in the NFL was Tua. What did Miami say in the offseason? We've got a quarterback that's a little bit fragile, a little bit we don't know what we got, and we, we need to support him. They go out, they make a drastic move for Tyreek Hill. They say, all right, we got to do something here. Very aggressive. They went out, they got an offensive-minded head coach. All of those things to try and support Tua. Look at Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I didn't see one person complaining with how much money Christian Kirk signed for in the offseason yesterday. Evan Ingram, a tight end as well. I mean, tight end is right up there with wideout and how big of a joke it's been in the Colts supporting their quarterback. The left tackle position has been wildly mismanaged for a handful of years now. And again, wide receiver and tight end, the pass-catching positions that matter. Um, An absolute joke in how they've tried to address that. Uh, At the start of the year, I brought up the analogy of an Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell. It's blackjack, and you're hitting on sixteen. And you busted in week one with Alec Pierce, and you certainly busted yesterday with Paris Campbell and the effort that he gave you. Um, and, and none of it was shocking. We, we all knew that would happen. If Michael Pittman is going to miss time, that is the exact effort I saw. It was the questions that I had back in February. It was questions I had through free agency. I saw Amari Cooper traded for a day three pick. He had a nice day yesterday. Allen Robinson scored a touchdown yesterday, free agent signing as well. It, it just... We'll see Robert Woods tonight with the Titans. Sure. And the the thing I think with Ballard, too, that you have to note is his greatest belief, trenches, O-line, D-line, that's failing. So what he believes in the most, all the capital, all the draft picks, all the free agency money that you've invested into the trenches, that is failing. It's one thing to be stubborn in those positions we've talked about, 
wide receiver and tight end mainly. But for him to have all this investment in the trenches into that group failing you, I think just adds to it. And then lastly, again, I, if, Frank Reich, I, I, for his football team to come out and have the performances that they've had now for four straight games um, is beyond pathetic and embarrassing. Um, I tweeted out the stat yesterday. If you look at the last three, Jacksonville, Houston, Jacksonville, with everything you've had to play for in those three games, the Colts have entered the fourth quarters of those three games down 70-6. to 70-6 to six, with a playoff berth on the line, with the week one drought you had last week, and then obviously the drought that you had in Jacksonville. Um, I've worried about the CEO aspect of Frank Reich's job for quite some time. I think that's so important for a head coach in the NFL. I think it's lacking here in Indianapolis. And again, as I said all offseason, the hot seat has got to be on. And if the even if the owner doesn't want to admit that, um, and after these two pathetic performances that date back to last season, it needs to be scorching hot moving forward. The National Football League is interesting to me because it's very cyclical and trends happen throughout the course of 17 weeks now 16 weeks previously there were times last year where the Colts were seen as the most dangerous or healthiest or best team in the league and then the last three weeks of the season came and they completely wet themselves and it was like what happened to the team that beat New England there are ebb and flows and ups and downs and it's very dangerous to get overly invested or emotional based on one or two games and and assuming that that means that those are trends however there seems to be body of work here that implicates or shows that this is not a pattern but reality the Colts yesterday went down to Jacksonville a place that was different because not only is it one of the worst teams in the league the last three years in the Jaguars, but the site of their biggest, biggest injustice towards their fans of the last few years in the way the season ended last year and the place where we were then promised that things would be different. And that begins with scapegoating in any way that they could Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz wasn't there yesterday, and the effort was the same, the result was the same, and the egg on the face is the same, if not bigger. I think it's important to be sensible about the fact that two games does not mean the season is over. However, this is what Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard and Frank Reich need to understand. We'll begin with Jim Irsay. I think Jim Irsay is a fun-loving, kind-hearted, good person who is a, an owner that wants to win. However, when your eccentricities and your off-field excess start to supersede your on-field success, then you're going to have to understand that you're going to be called to the carpet on things or questioned. And, when you pl- and I know that, I, that I'm beating a dead horse here, but the reality is when you are – playing in a stadium that is as subsidized in this community as this one is, and when you are an accessible owner, which is a great thing the majority of time, 
What you were doing, though, is allowing your fan base to feel that they have a financial investment and that they have part ownership, so to speak, from an emotional standpoint of the franchise you're running. So when blank hits the fan, people take it personally. And in this town, people take it personally because they pay a lot of money to go see your football team and they pay a lot of money for the palace that has made you a billionaire. And yes, they like to be able to go down and see Muhammad Ali's shorts while you're playing the guitar with John Mellencamp on a stage for free. And that's cool. But with that comes an, a fan accessibility and expectation that the thing that truly is the core of your business, your football team, better go down and act like they are professionals and they want to win. And people want to know that their football team, their franchise, their owner, their general manager, and their coach want to win as much as they, the fans, do. And when they go down there and, quite frankly, absolutely apathetically go through the motions and get their ass kicked by a franchise that's been a laughing stock in the National Football League. People are going to be PO'd about it because they feel like they've been slighted for their financial and emotional investment. And that's how people in this town feel right now. And I think a lot of them look at Chris Ballard as a scapegoat, rightly or wrongly, because Chris Ballard can sit there and have his cute smirks and his maniacal laughter and his loaded questions to downplay or to very smugly deflect the questions that were made about the roster that he was building, except for that he can sit there and say, look, I'm the smartest guy in the room because I'm the general manager of the football team in this town. And so you, the fans, or you, the media, can question me all you want. It ain't that easy. And that's probably true, except for that everybody that is supposedly not as smart as he pointed out three glaring things from last season that were never addressed. And whenever he was asked about it, he defiantly said that he had it under control. And those three things absolutely 110% blew up on them yesterday. Their wide receiving core was an absolute joke. They accounted for eight catches for 126 yards. The receiving core of the Indianapolis Colts yesterday, yes, I know that two of their guys were out, one of them which is a really good player, the other of which has promised, but Jim Irsay couldn't get his name right in a video on Saturday night from a restaurant. A little bit embarrassing. Know the names of the guys you drafted. But I digress. When it comes down to it, they had a receiving core, the wideouts that a barrage of wideouts that Kevin Bowen talks about, that Chris Ballard hears about all the time, had fewer yards yesterday in totality than Tyreek Hill had for the Miami Dolphins, right? And he was one and there were two Dolphins yesterday that had more receiving yards than the Colts did. Bottom line is this. The bottom line is there's going to be a ton of negative reaction. There's going to be a ton of outrage. There's going to be a ton of negative things said about the Colts this morning. And there are going to be a lot of really, really upset, mad, and PO'd people. And that might be an overreaction from people, except for the fact that in the case of the owner and the general manager, they are circumstances and criticism that they put themselves in the direct line of fire for because of their own actions or inactions in various capacities. And that's where we stand. They're 0-1-1, and it feels like they are 0-14. You're making notes over there like this is a legal hearing. No, I, I – can you think of a more embarrassing four-game stretch for the no. franchise? I mean, Kevin, I, admittedly, and, and, and first, to their credit, to their credit, that disappointment is a bar that they set for themselves because to, to answer your question honestly – I mean, I was here in sure, the sure, sure, but 
in the 80, you know, Kroger free poster night where people are making nine foot paper airplanes of Johnny Cook's posters to land on the field. I mean, I, you know, so. And, and the quarterback of that football team would have been. I mean, Mike Pegelart, Schleister, it, Mark Herman, Don Mikowski, Craig, you know, Craig Erickson, Steve Walsh. And I bring that up because those are not guys you see in Canton. Matt Ryan will probably be in Canton one day. Phillip Rivers could be in Canton one day. When you make the short-term Band-Aid quarterback move, you're sending a, an entire message to everybody in your franchise that expectations should be high. And when you play in such a pitiful division, the expectations should be there to compete at the highest level within the AFC South. So when you factor in the expectations, the frankly terrible opponents that you've played during this stretch – what has been at stake for you to have such embarrassing performances and get blown off the field in this 16 quarter stretch you've had for the final four game or the past four games you've been blown off the field in probably what 12 of those quarters that is what adds to it to me of this is not a one-off this is not the 2011 Colts led by Kerry Collins and Dan Orlovsky and Curtis Painter feels like it but yet the embarrassment level has risen to that. Jim Mercer wants multiple Super Bowls. How about multiple scoring drives <laughs> in a game? Let's not get nuts here. Well, I mean, hell, I guess one scoring drive, right? Did you think he brought those desserts to Alec Pierce? That video videos? was so odd. He called him Alex, right? Right after the, his lady friend said Alex. Alex. She did say Alex. She's like, is that one for Alec Pierce? And he's like, Alex. <laughs> and Jake, I don't think we can excuse players either. You know, I brought up Kenny Moore the second earlier. He was on my list of most to prove this season because when you allow the contract stuff to become a story, you've got to back that up. A guy that I had huge expectations for and he's been library quiet two weeks into the season, Yannick Ngakwe. They should send every Colts defensive lineman down to Bloomington or West Lafayette and tell them to join a fraternity because that's the only rush they're going to get, right? That was good. You know, I haven't heard that for a week. That was good. That was good. Thanks. Um, that, to me, might be the most disappointing aspect of it all. Because if you listen to Chris Ballard, and again, what he believes in, you are healthy on your offensive line. You're healthy on your defensive line. And those two groups have wilted for you. All the investment into the trenches. Wide out. Again, anybody could have seen that. Anybody could have seen that. I was just stating something blatantly obvious at wide receiver. But for the O-line and D-line, for everything you've believed in with that group, everything you've thrown at those two positions, for Jonathan Taylor to go through a half of football yesterday, and let's look at the box score. Was it four rushing yards on five carries? Five carries for four yards for Jonathan Taylor. And your pass rush, to your point, Jake, to be that quiet is just inexcusable. Inexcusable. And I know Reich is receiving the vast majority of blame. I think the hashtag is already going around about fire Reich or this or that. It, it, it is top down. Owner I, and GM, the I malpractice. Saw. You can sl- put slice the pie up and hand it to Ursay, Ballard, and Reich. I did see somebody that said that Jim Ursay needs to be loud for Stroud. <laughs> so this one, and I, I don't know. I like that. Does, does this one cross the line? Let me find it here. Jared, sacrifice for Bryce. (laughs) Well, is that too harsh? I I don't. 
sacrifice the season, maybe. I don't know that we need to be bringing yeah, animals the into the equation. sacrificial lamb aspect poor, of it all. Poor, poor, Alex <laughs> Now, let me hear that again, Mark. Poor, poor, Alex Pearson. Yeah, I think he does throw the X in there. He does. His name's Alec. Jake. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> how about how about Gilmore yesterday? For how good Gilmore was in week one, Evan Ingram just owned him yesterday. What, can we hear that one more time? That was tough sounding. This one for Mr. Gilmore and, <laughs> and poor, poor Alex Pearson. What were those desserts anyway, by the way? Well, so like, I, I, what, what, I know it's like green blobs. Yeah. Like, I'm like, can we just get a chocolate chip cookie and call it a night? <laughs> that was the the video, by the way, that Jim Irsay posted Saturday evening for those that are unfamiliar. Oh, uh, do sure. yourself a favor and check that one yeah. out. You heard him last week, and you will continue to hear him with us every single Monday during the football season. He is the one and only Jeff Saturday. Um, Jeff, you probably know Jim Irsay about as well as anybody that we would have on on a Monday. Um, how do you think the owner reacts to yesterday's performance and really, I guess, what we've seen dating back to the end of last season? Uh, yeah, I can tell you I would not want to be uh, Frank or Chris probably uh, this Monday morning in, in Jim's office. So it will not be, uh, you know, it will not be a kind meeting. Uh, so, so you know, I, I'm I'm sure the frustration that he's feeling um, is 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 at a high. And and obviously, man, I mean, it's not it's not just the loss, but the way you lost. Um, and and you know, you heard Frank, and Frank didn't you know, he didn't mix words. He said it was you know a, a, a poor performance. We got out coached, we got outplayed. You know, there's so there's plenty of room to uh, for for blame to be taken around. So. Uh, Got to be frustrated, but I, I wouldn't want to be in that meeting today for sure. Jeff, to me, the thing that, and I want your opinion on this, the thing to me that was the best, the biggest indictment about the Colts' loss yesterday was that it illuminated the areas that everyone but Chris Ballard were pining about that they needed to change heading in, you know, from last year's debacle in Jacksonville, the receiving group, the left tackle, yeah. areas that were not addressed. And, and and those were the glaring areas that, again, cost them the game and the area that we were told needed to be repaired coming off the Jacksonville game it clearly wasn't the issue. Am I being too critical? No, I mean, I, listen. I, I think when you when you look at the way the game played out, it was, um, you know, it was exactly those things. They, they, um, you know, I mean, you got you got to go on the defensive side as well. But offensively, what you're saying and your your top two receivers are out, so that's that never helps. Uh, yeah, obviously, when you when you already have a young um, offensive receiving group that you're trying to to get, and you have a brand new quarterback to the team. Um, and then from a, from the offensive line perspective, you know they didn't play well, and like you said, got exploited some. Uh, I think Ryan, you know, Matt still trying to figure his way out. Uh, but I can't remember what it was. I think they had seven plays or may, maybe eight plays uh, somewhere around that in the first quarter, right? I mean, which is which is not what you want. You know, you don't want to start slow and then the other team keep the ball from you the entire first quarter and. Um, you know, I, I know time of possession was, was lopsided anyway, but when you start slow that way uh, against a team that you're already struggling from a, from a receiving core, and like you said, the offensive line wasn't playing well, um, it gets ugly in a hurry. And, and, and listen, there was no 
There was no doubt. I mean, I, I will say this. The, the thing that probably surprised me the most is how comfortable Trevor Lawrence was in the pocket. So, you know, it wasn't just, the, you know. The he wasn't moved off the spot. Yeah, bro. He, I mean, he set up camp. You know what I mean? It was just just delivering. So there were, there were a lot. There's a listen. There's a lot of blame to go around. It was, it was a poor performance all the way around. And uh, they know it. And they got to figure out why it happened and what they can do to correct it. But, but the errors as far as the, the, the actual bodies on the field, like, you, like I said, the two wide receivers not playing, you know, really hurt. But, but again, that, that can't be your excuse, right? There's a lot of teams in the NFL that, you know, players get injured. You got to find ways for your players to step up. Do you believe, Jeff, that – and it's only two weeks, but it's two weeks coming off a trend that was disturbing at the end of last year. Do you believe that Chris Ballard or Frank Reich, either one, could have jobs in jeopardy? No. Not, I mean, you mean like, like like right now? No, I don't I don't think that. I mean, I, you know, I, I know um, – I forget what Ursay said last year at the end of the year. I, I, mean, I can't remember, but I know it wasn't good. But, uh, no, I, I don't think right now. I mean, you're two, you're two weeks in and, um, you know, you're 0-1-1. and uh, this isn't like this division is just on fire, um, you know. So you, you know you're gonna have to go go find ways to win and go find ways to play. And the the problem I think for the Colts' perspective, I'm just giving you big picture, is when from a Jacksonville perspective, it looked like it looked like they're the ascending team right now, right? They played, they got a brand new head coach, they got a young quarterback, they have these things, and they just you know. Uh, Christian Kirk that they brought in and paid a bunch bunch of money to that everybody questioned looked like a like an all pro so so that's the problem when you're playing in division opponents and they they play that well against you um, they, that that definitely gives you pause. Yeah, it's been a while since you've seen a Jaguars franchise having more hope for the future than I think Colts fans feel right now. Jeff Saturday joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, in your history, and I guess you know you obviously had a longtime head coach here, but you had different head coaches throughout your NFL career. Do you think the message of a head coach can get stale over time? No, no, I, I, I've never been one of those. I mean, listen, there's, I've had, you know, I had Dungy, I had Mora, I had Mora than Dungy than Caldwell. Caldwell and Dungy's messages were very similar. Um, no, man, I mean, listen, like from a, from an NFL perspective, the you know the 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 devil's in the details. Like you got to go play. You, they got to go play better. I mean, they've got they got players that that need to play better. And again, um, you know, from from Frank's perspective, they got out coached as well. They, they they have enough going on. It's it's not just the message. It's about execution. And they, even in the Texans game, you, there's just too many. And, and I know Matt. I know, I know Ryan is new to the team, and he's you know, and it takes time for for quarterbacks to find that feeling, especially when your receivers are banged up and not playing. But but everybody has to be a step faster. Every, and I don't mean speed. I mean like game speed, like thought process speed, like finding where the ball needs to go in the, in the, in the, in the offensive line, giving them that extra split second. All of those things have to happen. The, the margin for error for this Colts team is just so razor thin um, that when they don't do it right, it's going to show up the way it did yesterday and I guess kind of off that point if you look at these last four games um, again last year trips to the playoffs on the line the last two games two losses this year you had that long week one drought eight years um, and then yesterday you had the long drought in Jacksonville of seven years should that add to maybe the frustration and the embarrassment that fans do have of like this wasn't just a middle of the road like week seven game if you look at 
again, Jacksonville, the week one drought, and then the two chances to clinch a playoff berth last year. For what was at stake, should that add to the frustration? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I think you'd be lying to yourself if you say it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, from from the from whether it be Ursay or any fan that 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 is a is a Colts fan, right? I mean, you you know you know what happened with Jacksonville last year into the season. You know how we did against the race. So yeah, you you have expectations. You know that we 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 feel like we're a better team than the Houston Texans, and to go tie them and really have to come back to tie them like there, there's a lot of things that you look at and, and frustrates the daylights out of you absolutely yeah, I, I think you lie to yourself if you don't if you don't look at it and hold yourself accountable you're doing yourself a disservice and I think everybody in that building understands that they, they got to look deep at this thing and um, they, they I mean the truth is they got to play better and that's just that's factual they can't uh, they can't play the way they did yesterday and Again, the, the margin for error is razor thin, but it's they, they have the ability to be better than they played uh, yesterday. Jeff Saturday is our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. Jeff, I'm trying to think in your time as a Colt here, you know, there were not a lot of real down times or sustained periods of it. Um, the one that comes to mind would be the year when Edge got hurt. I think it was Morris last year and things finished seven and nine. You were a part of that group, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so that would be one year where you know kind of the roof caved in a little bit over the course of a season. So my question for you is, and I know that the the typical answer is going to be, well, you got to block out the noise, you can't read the the papers, you know that kind of thing. But does there come a point for a player where the true opponent is just the psyche of feeling like nothing, no answer can be found and nothing is working. And if that does indeed become an issue, is it possible even though it's two weeks in that the Colts could be facing that right now? Uh, you, you, you mean from, from the, from the Jaguars perspective? Just from, no, from a player's standpoint of going into the, to the, to West 56th and feeling like, gosh, oh, oh, oh. You know, no, just no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I, I follow you. Yeah, I follow you. No, I mean, listen. I mean, I, I think there are. I think there are. Um, I think for, from football teams, I have always been one of those guys who believes that that organizations are run through players. And you, you know, you can have. You know, you have good coaches, and and I, I never disrespect that position. Head coaches is vital. I don't. I don't mean it to, to sound slighted, but. At the end of the day, that the eleven that are walking on the in between those white lines on both sides have to take ownership of this thing, and 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 at some point, um, again, those players have to be the guys that that don't allow things to happen. They don't allow you know practices not to look as good as they should. They don't allow games like this. And and, and listen, that sounds like like coach speak or talk, but I'm from a guy who did it 14 years. I'm telling you. That's the difference in teams. When 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 players take things and and say, "Look, man, this ain't gonna happen. Like this is what we're gonna do. Hey, we're gonna meet here. We're gonna do this. This is the time we're gonna spend on this." Like all those things that you do as a player ends up paying dividends on Sundays, Mondays, right? Like that's that's the reality of it. And I, and and so it's gonna have to be from within. Like these players are gonna have to get into 56th Street today and and this week and understand. Look. Now we got a gauntlet. I mean, you know, we have two games that we probably feel like we're a better team than. Now we got the Chiefs, the Titans. I don't even know who the other one is, but whatever it is, I know that I know that they got a three-game, you know, run that's going to be tough. This thing could get ugly in a hurry. You you better understand who you're playing, and and you better go in with that mindset that that uh, 
everybody's jobs on the line. I, I can assure you of this, and I've, I've said this a lot of times, when coaches get fired, players get fired. So make no mistake, you, you know, no, no one is absolved of, of, poor, of poor play. And, and, again, I don't think it's there yet, but, but, but people better understand that's reality in the NFL. Yeah, Chiefs, Titans, and then a short week at Denver. Those are the next three. You can probably yeah. make the argument one of the toughest three-game stretches of the season. Um, Jeff, last one from me. The Colts continue. It's not a. It's not like a 50-50 split, but they continue to rotate Matt Pryor and Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Pryor continues yeah. to get more of the run there. Um, I, I can't recall many times NFL teams have done that at left tackle. Is that surprising to you, Jeff? What do you What do you make of that? No, honestly, we we did that a little bit with uh, with Howard, uh, with Charlie Johnson, and and um, and even when Tark was here, and Ryan and, and Deemer were out there. Like it, it wouldn't be like uh, you know you would try to get him in to get him some game reps, and that's just because of where he was. You know, I'm sure where he's drafted, trying to get a young player. It's it's hard to develop guys, especially. Um, without getting them true game reps. And so just having – and it looks to me like, and like to, to you as well, it sounds like that they have scheduled times in the game where they're going to put them in. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the game. It's just, hey, go get reps and let's – you know, whether it's one series or two series a game. Uh, but, but I think that's good. And I've seen them play some tight end uh, – or, or not literally tight end, but, you know, where they, where they bring in an extra tackle at that position to help block. And, look, he's, he's looked pretty decent. I mean, yesterday was awful for everybody, but um, – what I've what I've watched of him so far in in preseason, the kids are he's a he is a very good athlete. I will say this: he he does he does things with his with his uh, with his athleticism that are, that are pretty amazing. Um, and I think they're just trying to get him cuts and see. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's maybe to try to press prior or just trying to get some stability across there because they are thin. Uh, but but we'll see as as it progresses on. Jeff, I wanted to ask you this because it does have implications within the AFC South. You know, I remember when Peyton Manning obviously took his lumps as a rookie, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of came together for him, and you could see it. I mean, you could see where the promise yeah. was, and you're like, here we go. Did we see – are we seeing that step for Trevor Lawrence, or was that simply yesterday the result of a defense that got zero pressure on a guy, and literally I would have thrown for 200 yards against that defense yesterday? <laughs> Well, I, th- I think it's a little of both, but the, but the no pressure definitely contributed a significant amount. I mean, listen, y'all, like, like, like I, I, I'm not mixing that lightly. When I tell you, uh, it was it, it was as clean a pocket as I have seen uh, for the majority of the game, just standing in there and delivering. In, you know, most most NFL quarterbacks, especially with the talent of him, are going to look like that. So, uh, but that being said, I think Peterson is is. Uh, as good as anybody at developing and and helping train quarterbacks to be their best, and so I, I think that's making a huge impact on his career. And to your point, um, yes, Colts fans, we we don't want that to happen, but it it definitely looked like he felt more comfortable yesterday, and he is progressing in that offense. Uh, and, and and again, it's kind of that. And I'm not saying, I'm not comparing him to Andy Reid, but it's kind of that tree and that that thought process, right? Is is he understands how to get the ball out of the hand on time. You know, the, the progressions and the reads are solid. And I think it's going to help Trevor Lawrence tremendously. Jeff, as always, we love your insight. And uh, we'll see what happens. Home opener coming yeah. up Sunday. Kansas City Chiefs inside of Lucas Oil <laughs> tough, Stadium. Tough, tough day to do it today, fellas. I ain't going to lie to you. This wasn't, this wasn't one of my happiest phone calls <laughs> on a Monday. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you not running from us. 
Nah, no way, bro. No way. Y'all have a great day, fellas.